albeit somewhat for, I think, the drama and for the gossip, but in between that, there was we squeaked out a little bit of public policy, which I think is important. Um, so, and the way that the show is going to go tonight is that I, I want to get in to talk about the new Board of Education leadership in Washington County. I want to talk about the Washington County Teachers Association. I want to talk about their school cal- the school calendar that was proposed, voted upon behind the Board of Education, and sort of the details of who opposed it and how the vote went down. Um, I'd like to also talk about some of the new elections in Washington County. We've had a change of leadership uh, at the Board of Edu- uh, well, at the Board of Education level, at the Board of County Commissioners, and at the state level, and of course the biggest upset the most attention grabbing election was the replacement of a governor um i also want to talk about some national news but uh, somewhat centered here um in maryland the kirby delauder situation that occurred uh, many of you have probably been following that regarding a frederick county councilman um i might squeeze in some national news we have a special guest this evening that I am very, very happy he decided to come on. Uh, Bob Brucci, former mayor of Hagerstown, um, new Rotarian in the Hagerstown Rotary Club. Um, I think the assistant general manager of the Hagerstown Suns. And let's all cross our fingers that he would be a future candidate for mayor of Hagerstown. But, of course, we are hoping and angst in waiting, campaign in waiting, maybe. That's up to Bob. So let me kick this off. Um, we do have an expected caller um, coming on, and I want to switch up the lineup. Um, I'm going to be talking, hopefully, to my friend Eric Beasley um, from Frederick County, who is involved in politics. I don't know if you've been following this or not, but in Maryland, we have a structure of how our political parties are organized. And at the county level, we have the Republican Central Committee. And we have a Democratic Central Committee. And the Republican and Democratic Central Committee are both elected by each respective party members. So in a primary election, Republican Central Committees run either as a ticket or individually, and Democrats run. And it's an elected body. These Central Committees are an elected body by their fellow party members to represent them at the state, represent them, uh, their party interests, to be the grassroots wing, if you will. Uh, Some central committees in Maryland are way more active than others, and some are not. Um, Washington County, you know, for for the most part, I think that they're a decent central committee. I think that there's some differences of personality, but maybe we'll get to that in another episode. Um, The central committees in Washington County and Frederick County have this well, and around the state, they have this responsibility. So, and, he, and as you probably heard, in District 4, which is in Frederick County, and a sliver of Carroll County, it encompasses a wide territory in which there was recently a vacancy. My friend, Kelly Scholes, from District 4, she's a member of the House of Delegates, was recently appointed by... Governor-elect Hogan to be the Secretary of the Department of Labor, Licensing, and Regulations, which is an incredible honor for Kelly, and I'm so very happy for her. So we have this 
issue taking place in Frederick County. And the Frederick County Central Committee went through a process that they have to replace a vacant delegate seat. And there is a select group in Frederick County that is controlling the party, the Republican Party, namely Michael Huff, who is a now senator-elect, was successfully uh, beat David Brinkley in a primary back in June for uh, the Republican di for the district there. And now there's this massive, massive problem in Frederick County, and the Central Committee have volunteer or have a responsibility to fulfill this seat and send a name to Governor Elect Hogan to choose from to replace the delegate seat. So let's cut to the chase. I have a friend, her name is Wendy Peters. She lives in Mount Airy. She's a former Mount Airy councilwoman. She ran for District 4 on the same legislative ticket as David Brinkley and Kelly Scholes. Unfortunately, Wendy came up short. She was the fourth top vote getter in that district primary, and she didn't make it. Some of the members of Kathy Abzali, District 4 representative, made it. Delegate elect Michael, or excuse me, David vote, and Kelly obviously was elected. She was the top vote getter. So now we have a district that is going to be soon to be vacant, and the Central Committee have this responsibility to nominate a candidate. Well, logic would dictate that Wendy Peters, a Republican, a former Mount Airy City Councilwoman, an overall wonderful person who is extraordinarily qualified for the position, at least get an interview, and that didn't happen. The Frederick County Republican Central Committee decided to interview only three candidates, and the Frederick County Republican Central Committee is run by Joey Lee Huff, Joey, excuse me, Joey Lynn Huff, who is Michael Senator-elect Michael Huff's wife, and they have several other planted people on there. Now they are elected, they are legitimate, but they don't. But so far, the decisions that they have made doesn't make much sense. And we're supposed to have a caller. I don't know where Eric Beasley is. Um, if, if you're listening, Eric, you can call in at any time. Um, and we can talk about what went down tonight. There was a protest because the Frederick County Republican Central Committee decided to have a somewhat secret meeting, which as of now I believe it is against the bylaws. So we'll wait for Eric to call in. Um, and when he does, we'll come back to this topic. But I want to get to the Washington County Board of Education, which is my bread and butter. So we recently, so when a new board takes over, there's always a vote to change up leadership. And this time, this past leadership was Dr. Justin Hardings in the presidency seat. Donna Brightman in the vice presidency seat. And as we shifted leadership, there's always a priority and a, and a certain agenda that needs to be fulfilled. And in Washington County, we're extraordinarily lucky 
because we have developed great relationships with our elected officials, and we have a working relationship between the different government bodies. And with the change of leadership this time, there was a vote back in December, and Donna Brightman was nominated to become the new president. Donna was in the vice presidency position, and she was nominated by Wayne Ridenauer, a board member, to become the president, and Justin Hardings was nominated to become the vice president. And just as we predicted that would happen in the campaign, and astute followers of the Board of Education campaign uh, back in the fall predicted that if members of the slate, the Gesford, Michael Gesford, Karen Harshman, and Stan Stauffer, who was also unsuccessful in his race, he didn't make it, he was beat, or I should say that Jackie Fisher, a previous board member, uh, prevailed in that election. Thank God. And there was this change of leadership, and this faction formed, like I predicted. I knew this was going to happen. Everyone sort of saw the writing on the wall, but many people just didn't believe it. So, as we predicted, Karen Harshman nominated her friend Melissa Williams is a board member, and Melissa Williams were pro-slate, the Gesford Harshman Stauffer. Uh, she really helped them out during the campaign. It was very anti-me, um, very teacher association-backed. Um, in fact, it was <laughs> Melissa Williams' husband who, uh, shortly after the campaign and ended uh, in November, wrote this, <laughs> you know, it was kind of a, a diss towards me that the candidate – he wrote it in the feedback section of the Herald-Mail that the candidate with the biggest signs lost and came in last place, and the good guys won, and the evil, hateful Ryan Miner lost, which, you know, get some class. <laughs> um, so the vote went down as Karen Harshman nominated her friend Melissa Williams. Melissa Williams lost. Donna, Donna Brightman thankfully became president. Dr. Justin Hardings became the vice president of the board, and – the slate, the new slate, the Gesford Williams and Harshman slate, voted. It was a four to three vote, as we predicted. They all voted for Melissa Williams to assume a position of responsibility. And during the argumentation or the, the open debate, Karen Harshman, candidate of the slate and newly reelected board member, made a mention that we haven't. We need somebody who is an educator. We need somebody who is a not related to the business community because we've had two previous business people in that position and only a person who was a former educator could possibly bridge that gap, which if you follow that logic, it's ridiculous. It's a non sequitur, and she argued that we shouldn't have two business people. Now, the reason why Dr. Hardings and Donna Brightman worked so extraordinarily well together is because they had an honest vision backed up by facts that was supported largely by the community in Washington County, and they have a strategic vision, whereas 
The Teachers Association have this entire other agenda, and they're clearly backing those three candidates. So it was it came down to a vision versus Teachers Association support on the board leadership. So it was kind of a contentious back and forth during the debate when they were discussing leadership, and there's a YouTube video. I re released a, a clip about this. So we have a caller. I'm gonna, I might go back to this, so let me see what's going on. Caller, are you on the air? Hey, Ryan, it's Eric. Eric Beasley, everybody, from Frederick County, my friend who is a faithful fellow Republican. We're going to go back to talking to the District 4 vacancy in Frederick County. Eric, you were on scene tonight down in Frederick County, and could you tell us what's happening? Um, well, I've left because it's about 8 degrees outside. Um, however, th so basically um, we, had we had gotten a bunch of people together to go out to the uh, Central Committee meeting, um, and we were turned away and had the cops called on us, actually. Um, the Central Committee so you has turned decided... Away. So you were turned away by – so you, you came to the Central Committee meeting tonight that was in secret, right? Correct, yes. They had been uh, in, a, in a cloak of darkness, very uh, you know, CIA-ish, if you will. Um, they decided that they didn't want to deal with public opinion and public viewpoints, and so they decided to surreptitiously have a meeting um, outside of their bylaws. They said that it was a closed meeting even though that's not allowed without having an open meeting beforehand. And, uh, you know, they kicked us out, and they actually called the cops on us. There was cops sitting out there watching us while we were there. Okay, so according to uh, their, their bylaws, the Central Committee in Frederick County must meet in public and then declare a closed session, but, but, but the preceding that, they must... They must be in open session before uh, the public. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. The, the, if you look at the bylaws, there's um, there's there's two different types of meetings that they can have. And so, in order to go into a the the closed meeting, which is made for personnel, you know, essentially for private like HR type affairs. Um, but you got to start with that meeting. You have to start with regular order, um, in accordance with Robert's rules. And uh, that was not followed today. Okay, so you guys, so a group of uh, supporters, I would say, more more passionate supporters to correct the process, but who also are Wendy Peters supporters. Yes. Came tonight to a central committee meeting and decided that you were going to protest. And can you tell us what happened while you were there? Uh, well, while we were there, um, we had a couple of central committee members that did come in. Um, it seemed like a good portion of them had already been at the meeting um, ahead of time. And then uh, once we were uh, um, basically as they were coming in at 8 o'clock, um, we decided to go into the meeting as, in accordance with, you know, uh, how public meetings are conducted. Um, at 8 o'clock, we were stopped at the door. Uh, we were told by council member and central committee member Billy Shreve that there was that there was no meeting and then there was a meeting and it's not a meeting and it kind of is. And uh, then we were told that we could not come to the building, that it was private property, and that we had to leave. Okay, so you were told it was private property, you couldn't be there, and basically you were asked to 
quietly dispersed. So, which leads to the question, you know, we Republicans are, and especially, especially us, we share a common bond for civil libertarianism, and we are First Amendment, I would consider myself almost a First Amendment absolutist, minus a few drastic situations, that you guys were basically told to sit down, shut up, your opinion's not going to be heard, they don't care, and nothing, you're, you're not going to be heard, your candidate's not going to be heard, our huff faction of the Central Committee in Frederick is going to continue, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to change your mind. Is that, am I on the same page? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> there, it's it, it is a tyrannic. You know, this is what's funny about it, Ryan. So I've I've been doing a little bit of poking around recently. So do you want to know the legislation that Michael Huff has been introducing at the in Annapolis over the last two years? He's Go been ahead. introducing he's been introducing transparency legislation. Okay, he's been introducing legislation to open up negotiations between the unions and the government because he thinks that the voters should know how their money is being spent and that they should be a part of that process. So it's very ironic to me that Michael Huff is on this crusade in Annapolis for transparency, but then when it comes back home that his wife is on the opaque crusade trying to cover up what's really going on. Right. Okay. Well, Eric, I do appreciate this call, and you and I are planning a special show this Friday evening to talk exclusively about this topic. We're going to be talking from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on Friday evening all about the Frederick County Republican Central Committee, and I really appreciate that you came on tonight, and uh, we will talk soon. Thank you for protesting. Thank you for going out there and standing up for something that we both passionately believe in. All right. Thanks, Ryan. I'll talk to you on Friday. Okay. We'll see you. Bye. So that was my friend Eric Beasley, and he may have had, for my sound, it kind of sounded like a somewhat of a shaky connection, but the gist of it is that Eric and several supporters in Frederick County went out to the secretive meeting that was held this evening and were ushered away and told that they had to peacefully disassemble from the their protest in front of the Central Committee. And so we're going to talk more about that. Um, this is unfortunate um, on so many different levels. And I just really, really, really wish that these Republicans could start acting like Republicans. Um, and like I said, we will go much more in depth um, on Friday evening at 8 o'clock of a minor detail. We're going to host a special uh, session where we're going to talk with several different people from the process. And I invited the Frederick County Republican Central Committee. I reached out to uh, Michael Hill, who is a current member, and if he does decide to join us, I really hope he does because I think that uh, in the in the order of fairness, I think that they should come on and make their case. So back to the Board of Education calendar of Washington County, the leadership, Donna Brightman, Justin Hardings, in the leadership spot, have a clear vision. I think it's going to be a great year. Um, we have so much to look forward to in Washington County. Take, for instance, the Academic Hub. It's certainly a project that I clearly and passionately supported um, uh, during this last campaign, and the concept behind the Academic Hub in Washington County is to build a sort of a night uh, a various um, boutique-style schools 
and center that in downtown Hagerstown. And us from many of us that are scratching our heads about downtown redevelopment, what better way to initiate and kickstart this project than with education, a hub, a boutique style, and this project has largely been supported by people like Donna Brightman, Justin Hardings, Dr. Wilcox is a major proponent of this, as well as Jackie Fisher and Wayne Ridenauer, and the Slate, the, the Harshman, Gesford, and Williams Slate seem, they haven't directly or categorically rejected the plan, but they have issued the most, they, they've issued somewhat of an ambiguous rejection of it, and there will be more to come on that. So I want to shift into the school calendar. The school calendar was, for 2015 or for 2016-2017 was recently voted upon by the previous board uh, that still had with us Paul Bailey. And it was a four to three vote with Dr. Hardings, Mrs. Brightman, uh, Mr. Ridenauer, and Mr. Bailey voting in favor of adopting a school calendar that included a spring break. And the controversy is that the spring break is mega, mega opposed by the Teachers Association. And the Teachers Association president, Denise Fry, called or wrote a letter to the editor, to the Herald Mail, and just excoriated this calendar and said that the spring break concept will take away from instruction, that the, school, that the spring break is just the most horrible thing. Um, and she gave you know, several different reasons. And I'll read you a quote from board members Melissa Williams, uh, who voted for it. And she said that, and, and I'm reading from a Herald Mail article, and she said that, I don't think it's in the best interest of many of our students who are coming to us with challenges to be off for that extended period of time. Referring, said Williams, referring to the long spring breaks for the next two years, I think it's important that we have our students in school so that we can teach them. Well, that's a fair point. However, there's more to that story. Every other county in the state of Maryland, if I'm mistaken, please correct me, but most of the counties in the state of Maryland have a spring break model. And the Teachers Association are talking about how these students will, there's going to be this empty hole in their instruction before the park testing, which is an entire different episode. But they are just railing against the decision, and in, and in almost a very unusual fashion, they are questioning the board members who voted in favor of this, basically questioning their passion or commitment to the school system. And the Teachers Association and I sort of have a rocky relationship. They were kind enough to invite me into their interview process. Um, I went. I think it was their courtesy. I think that they knew before I even walked in that interview way back in March that there was no way in hell that I would ever 
ever be granted that much coveted endorsement, which is slowly and politically sizzling. So my relationship with the Teachers Association is already on the rocks, and I have several disagreements with some of their political activities that they do. And the primary reason for a teachers' association is political activity. And who do you think that political activity benefits? Well, of course, it's Democrats. I remember walking into the teachers' association, into their building on Mulberry Street, and what do my wondering eyes do appear but a shiny sticker of Anthony Brown's on their filing cabinet? You know, and MFCA didn't even give, you know, in the primary they endorsed Anthony Brown, who <laughs> we all know the verdict of that. But their partisanship is so clear and so evident, so obvious. And they don't even hide it. So the school calendar, counties have these spring breaks. I'm a proponent of the spring break concept, the spring break, excuse me. Students, teachers, they need the opportunity to refresh. And also, one of the questions that I have to the Teachers Association, incidentally, I did invite, invite members of the Teachers Association on to this show. I emailed the Uniserve rep, Carlos Milan. I cc'd uh, Neil Becker, who was one of their top brass. I'll tell you a story about Neil Becker. And Denise Fry, I have heard nothing. I have attempted to open a line of communication with the Washington County Teachers Association to no avail. Yes, I have differences. Yes, I will call them out on public policies that I fundamentally disagree with. And yes, I think that what they do is not really represent their members. I think they represent the activities that are most conducive with their political activities. But that's my opinion. So one of the questions I have for the Teachers Association is why aren't they concerned with the five-day breaks during the year for professional development? So that's a question. Maybe I'll get it in writing. Maybe they can email me at any time at ryan at ryanrminer.com. I'm still waiting to hear from them. So the school calendar, if you read on the Herald Mail, you'll see the Teachers Association. You will see that their opposition. You can see the president's letter to the editor. And I'll, I can post that on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ryan Richard Minor. And moving forward, I really think in, in type of – we're going to dissect much of the board policy. We're going to talk a lot more about the internal politics of the board. And so my question for the Teachers Association, who I think have a clear agenda to block this school calendar, what will their next step be? Are they going to take this to the superintendent? What type of action will they take to overturn this? Because they are not happy. They are frustrated. They are angry. Um, they often have somebody else do their professional bidding, the, the association, as well as some of the board members. And that is channeled through an organization called WC Parents, which on the outside, on the Facebook outside, looks like an affable lighthearted resource for parents, 
for Washington County students. You, she posts uh, updates. And the curator, the, the aggregator for this feed is Dottie Guller, who is a former uh, unsuccessful Board of Education candidate who ran in 2010 and lost. And Dottie and I, we used to be Facebook friends. We used to have a lot of exchanges. Um, Dottie and I met when I first decided to run for the Board of Education. We met for lunch out at a, the Smithsburg Diner, and we had a conversation. And from that experience, Dottie said that she was very happy that I was running, that we needed fresh blood. She gave me the dynamics of her opinion of the dynamics. And slowly and slowly, 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 it seemed to drift away. And WC Parents has been hugely critical of this administration. And there seems to be a one-sided narrative that I believe has really affected negatively the parents in Washington County. I think she's giving a false narrative that just isn't true. She worked behind the scenes against me. I, I have that on record. We'll go into that next week in our two-hour show. Um, Mrs. Griller can be extraordinarily nasty. If you read her Facebook page, and, you know, as somebody who clearly thinks that she's looking out for, for the students, I think she has done a mountain of harm in this past election. There is, n there is nothing, nothing fair or there, there's a clear agenda. And, she, she, makes, and she, she sort of has this ambiguous type of persona online that she presents. There's nothing fair about WC parents. It is somewhat of a resource, and we can all be happy that somebody takes the time to do that. But let's just be clear that she worked on behalf of the Gesford Harshman and Stauffer Slade during the primary, and she's going to continue to whatever she can. She's going to do the bidding that the board members can't necessarily do in public, but she's going to do their professional bidding. And as you watch, I can tell you that it's going to get ugly. I hope it doesn't for the sake of our students because that's what matters, but there's a lot of drama. There's an, a lot of unresolved anger from the Teachers Association from this past election. So I expect to see a lot of fights on our hands. I expect to see a lot of four to three votes. I expect that Melissa Williams will run for re-election soon. I expect that Karen Harshman will continue her dissent um, as evidenced by her six to one vote yesterday, not to review, not to vote to send legislation to the state our current delegation in Washington County to pass legislation that allows our superintendent to renew his contract early. And it wasn't necessarily based around Dr. Wilcox's contract, but it was big picture, can our superintendent renew his contract before his time is up, before his contract is up. And Mr. Trotta explained the legalities of the situation and how the legislation and my hope is that Donna Brightman who is an extraordinarily smart and intelligent and politically savvy individual and if you and you know I, I'm so impressed with Donna Brightman I, I, I just think that she is fantastic and I, I want to mention this too Donna and I are probably on opposite ends of this political spectrum as many of you know I am a conservative libertarian Republican and Donna is a Democrat. Now, although our, 
our Board of Education is nonpartisan. And, but Donna and I share a somewhat of a kinship that we both believe in the concept of local control, local autonomy in our school system. And she presents that well. She represents Washington County extraordinarily well in Annapolis at the Maryland Association of Boards of Education. And with the legislation coming up, I hope that they really cultivate it, they babysit it, and they don't let it out of their hands. And yesterday's vote, Karen Harshman was the six to one dissenting vote. And that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this moves forward. So we do have a special guest coming up that we're going to call momentarily, but I want to talk quickly about some other aspects of government. Huge election this past year in Washington County, change of leadership. And as many of you know, it's been a Republican year. During the primary for the county commissioner's race, they Ruth Ann Callahan, who is a friend of mine, who I think is was a great commissioner in many respects, but maybe the voters disagreed. And Bill McKinley, who I supported, I voted for. I voted for Ruth Ann Callahan. I have no bones about sharing that because I'm proud of those votes because I think that they are responsible commissioners, but they were ousted in the primary and, del and former delegate and current county commissioner, Leroy Myers, personal friend and somebody that I think spent a lot of time in Annapolis doing the right things for Washington County, was elected alongside Commissioner Terry Baker, Commissioner Jeff Klein, and former commissioner and now current commissioner Bill Weibel. And Bill Weibel served for, I think it was two terms, and then decided in 2010 to run for the House of Delegates. Um, he came up short in the primary to Andy Serafini and then ran again. And Bill Weibel in Washington County is extraordinarily popular because many people see Mr. Weibel as a fiscal conservative. And he is. Um, but I think there's another side of Washington County who are deeply concerned that Mr. Weibel and Mr. Baker, who I think you can make a strong, pretty strong case that they campaign together, they're friends, you would see their sign placements adjacent to one another. And so the change of leadership, we elected a new president in Washington County, uh, of the, the Washington County Commissioners, Terry Baker, uh, Jeff Klein, who... You know, it, Jeff Klein it was a tireless campaigner. You would see Jeff uh, utilize social media effectively. Jeff was at every event possible, and Jeff spent a lot of time building a base of supporters. And, um, you know, Jeff knows how to run a campaign, and I think that uh, that's an important thing. I, I think that um, I thought Leroy Myers may have been higher in the vote total. He came in the fourth spot. Um, with John Barr in the third spot, and the fifth spot went to Bill Weibel. And during the campaign, I really thought that there might be a resurgence of the Ron Bowers movement. And I do hope Ron Bowers comes on to this show because he is a very interesting person, a very candid man. I have known Ron since I was at Lincolnshire Elementary School when he came and talked to my class. And, you know, Ron and I have our political differences. We have some policy differences. But if you want a person who will always tell you the truth, who will be straight up, which I respect about a person, who will tell you something right to your face, 
That's Ron Bowers. And Ron Bowers, I think, really passionately cares about this community. And that would have been an interesting commission, com commissioner board to see if, if he were elected, but, you know, somebody who is anal analyzes the process of Washington County. Um, you know, I, I, I like to do the, the hypothetical what-ifs. So we have an all-Republican Board of County Commissioner. And at the state level, we didn't have too many surprises. Um, my, my friend and fellow Rotarian, Dave Hanlon, ran for District 2A in the primary, whereas Delegate Neil Parrott and Delegate Andy Serafini slated together and prevailed in that election. Dave came up short. And another interesting race in the city of Hagerstown in District 2B was Brett Wilson versus John Donahue. And Brett Wilson, I think, ran a fabulous campaign. Uh, he had a grassroots base. Uh, he talked city-specific issues. He talked about business. Uh, he's a strong advocate for the Second Amendment. He's a strong advocate uh, for the values that are inherent, inherently important to Washington County. And John just didn't work hard. And, you know, he did a little, you know, he did a few things. He did the standard. He did the, the minimum of putting out signs. And I'm surprised because it didn't seem like John truly wanted this race this time. And Brett wanted it. And Brett was backed by the Central Committee. He was endorsed by Dan Bongino. Uh, Dan actually came up. Um, Governor Hogan came up. Governor-elect Hogan came up. Uh, they, I think they met. I don't, I don't know if there's an endorsement. But somebody will probably correct me on that. But Brett worked his butt off in the, in the city of Hagerstown. And if you know city of Hagerstown politics, the dichotomy is the political leanings are they are a democratic city. It is a overwhelmingly democratic city. But in elections, in a wave election, um, in a Republican year, people were just ready for a change. So – Brett Wilson prevailed in on November the fourth and beat the twenty plus year incumbent incumbent John Donahue. And you know, I there's one thing about John is that he's a fighter and at the the last few weeks of the campaign, I didn't know if John you know, you you think maybe well John can pull this out because he usually does. But then as you started watching the the tide shift, you see this real passionate movement across the country that is not limited just to Washington County, but there was a wave election because people were tired of the incumbents. People were tired of the excessive spending that got us into debt. And if you just take a look at the Baltimore Sun of the Washington Post today, you're going to see Governor O'Malley doing these last-minute budget gimmick tricks and shifting funds to make up for the budget shortfall. And he's going to say that he balances the budget, but He's leaving in 20, for 2016 for Governor-elect Hogan. Governor-elect Hogan is going to have a massive, massive problem on his hands. Because he's going to have upwards of a $750 million to somewhere in the billion-dollar budget deficit, or shortfall, I should say. And that's extraordinary. 
over 40 taxes and fees raised in the last eight years, a social agenda that was largely perpetuated and coaxed by the Democrats in Annapolis. And I think that people were just fed up. And the reason, and I, I have to be honest with you, and I predicted that Anthony Brown would win this election. In fact, I met with Anthony Brown when he came to Hagerstown way back in, I think, early March. And I thought he was a deadlock. I really thought, even up to the election day, that Hogan would be so close that he might come in with one or two points, but Prince George's County and Montgomery County would deliver. But when I got – we all saw those messages rolling in, and I have an iPhone, and when you see that that message, it's surreal that governor-elect Larry Hogan. And that gave us a lot of hope. It gives Maryland a lot to look forward to. And I'm excited because I think that we're going to have somebody who fundamentally understands business. He's already beginning to implant very, very smart people inside of his cabinet. And I think that our delegation in Washington County have already a pre-established relationship with Governor-elect Hogan. I know that Senator Christopher Shank has um, a very strong relationship, Delegate Parrott, and we have a strong delegation, and I think you're going to see Western Maryland be placed not way, way, way back on the docket. I think you're going to see this governor, this new governor, come up to Western Maryland, and that's going to be great because we need that. We've been lacking someone who has <laughs> – you know, when did you last see Governor O'Malley come up to Western Maryland? I don't remember it. Maybe once, twice, two, three times. It's crazy. So Governor-elect Hogan is sworn in on January the 21st in Annapolis. And I'm definitely going to be – Kim and I are going to go to Annapolis for that. Then we're going to go to the gala and – it says cocktail attire, which I'm kind of disappointed because um, if anybody knows me, they know that uh, I cannot resist a tuxedo <laughs> and a bow tie. Um, and if my friend Rob Bowman is listening, who makes fun of me, he posted a picture of P.B. Herman. Hello. Tell him that I'm – so I think I have Bob Rucci on the line. Bob? Hey, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Bob. So we were just talking about the, the change in leadership in Washington County at the Board of Education level, at the county commissioner level, um, and the city of Hagerstown. And, you know, as the former mayor, you have a perspective that a lot of people just don't have. And we talked today about some of the changes, but specifically we have a new – we're going to have a – nationwide search for a, a city administrator to replace current city administrator uh, Bruce Zimmerman. And could you talk a little bit about the process and what you see happening in the process? Well, I, I can tell you that uh, they're doing the right thing by hiring an outside firm. Uh, they've, they've hired uh, GovHR USA uh, to do this nationwide search. And they're getting, um, I, I know that the rep was here yesterday, 
uh, in Hagerstown and, and gathering information, meeting with uh, uh, members of, uh, of Count Mayor and Council plus uh, uh, the city of HR uh, person, Karen, and uh, uh, other department heads. So, the, so she's doing the right thing by getting feedback from them. Um, and I think that's very important. But, you know, what's really, really important is that hopefully the search will find someone who is coming from an area with a, a population of at least 500,000 people. I realize we're only a city of almost 40,000. But, you know, and with our proximity to uh, D.C. and Baltimore, uh, you know, we're we're – we need that big thinking, big city mentality in Hagerstown to make sure that things progress and move on and that, you know, we we find a city administrator who who will be very progressive and, you know, uh, lead staff and department heads uh, to the wishes of the mayor and council. But do you think that hiring somebody, uh, doing a nationwide search, I think, is a smart is a smart proposition for the city, but do you think it will ultimately come back to somebody local being hired? I really believe if they hire anybody within the quad state area of Maryland, um, we're we're going to lose. I, I think it's a losing proposition. And their salary is what somewhere upwards of a hundred. What is it? One hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty thousand. Probably one hundred. It's, it's probably going to be somewhere in the one hundred and twenty thousand dollar range plus benefits, um, since they're contractual uh, and they do four year contracts. Um, you know, without a doubt, it'll increase uh, probably. You know, at least at least every four years, if not every year, depending on if there's colas and availability of money in the general fund to take care of that. So. Right. Right. Well, um, you know, I, the city has a, I think, a promising future, and I think that they're on the path to uh, redevelopment. And we talk constantly about the different initiatives, and I know that they're putting a $125 million plan in place. And, I, I'm, you know, I, I think many people in Hagerstown are somewhat skeptical, but can you talk to that redevelopment process and what you think um, – some of the elements that are going to unfold in 2015? Well, in 2015, I think you'll definitely see uh, the progression of the uh, what's been referred to as the link uh, between the arts and entertainment in downtown Hagerstown and to the uh, museum uh, over at the city park. I, I think you'll definitely see a, a lot of progress in that area. You know, when, when, when we talk about this, this plan that was developed by Urban uh, Partners, um, you know, it's it's not, and, and I've I've seen the plan. I've looked at it. Um, there's nothing in there that I haven't seen before. Uh, and and to to me, it's uh, it's as if they, they they took a conglomerate of all the <laughs> the plans from the past that were up in the city engineer's office and the planning department, put them on a desktop somewhere, and went through them and picked out, you know, things that they thought might be hot buttons for uh, for the city of Hagerstown. Uh, you know, they, 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 in the plan, they talk about um, upscale condos where uh, the multi-use sports and event center was slated to go at the corner of Summit and West Baltimore Street. Uh, that's that's great, you know, and I sat into it with one of the original meetings uh, with Urban Partners through the Chamber of Commerce for Washington County, and 
I, I, I explained to them, I said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm of the age that I could live downtown. You know, I don't have to worry about raking leaves or mowing grass or shoveling snow or doing those kind of things. So, yeah, I could do that. But in order for me to do that, you've got to have the amenities either within walking distance or biking distance that I want to go to. If I have to get in my car and go to the mall to see a movie or to Leidersburg, then this just defeated the purpose of me living in downtown. So what I didn't see in this urban partners plan was any of that. And I believe that if you're going to try to entice people with uh, higher incomes into the core to live and change that, that uh, socioeconomic uh, um, mindset in the core, then you've got to have those amenities. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I agree with you. And Bob, you, you have a great perspective of the, the future of the Hagerstown Suns. And many of us are wondering, you know, now that um, the, the other location seems to be in limbo, is there a possibility that Hagerstown could retain the Suns but still be able to amet- provide them the amenities that was part of the original proposal? There's still a possibility to tie in a uh, a revamp of the current facility that that could maybe tie into uh, a creek project along the Antietam Creek from the dual highway to the old municipal electric light plant. Uh, but it's going to take if it's going to take the vision and the progressiveness of a new city administrator to make that happen. I mean, it's going to have to, people are going to have to realize, uh, I, I believe that the will is there on the, the council, uh, the majority anyway, uh, to retain the, the Hagerstown funds, which, which are an amenity, an economic amenity to the city and the county. Uh, and, and I believe that that will is there. But so far, it's been nearly two months since the, information about Fredericksburg was, was, was brought out and nothing has has transpired whatsoever. So I'm I'm seeing the same kind of, you know, uh there's there there's no urgency to make something happen. And I can guarantee you that there needs to be an urgency uh or else before the end of next year at the very latest, I would believe at the very latest There'll be a new plan someplace else. So they've got well, to get their to foot in the door now. Well, Bob, um, <laughs> I really appreciate you being uh, the the first person I had an opportunity to formally interview on this new endeavor that I'm trying to pursue. And I, I hope that I'm able to bring you back on, and I hope that I'm able to provide a another, I guess, news source for, for people and to give people an opportunity to talk about issues that we care about in Hagerstown and Washington County. And, uh, you know, for people who don't know, Bob and I go way back, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a great friend, and um, I'm also happy that you're a new Rotarian, that you get to harass me uh, every Wednesday. So <laughs> Every Wednesday you show up. <laughs> uh, that's right, yeah. So in uh, the next Wednesday, uh, you and I are going to be on, I think we're going to be on the flip side, um, on Antietam Cable Channel 30. Uh, I don't know. Um, I have to look at the schedule. I haven't looked that far ahead, so. But so, I'll tell you what, it's, it, well, it, it, it's, it's an honor to be asked to be on your show, your first one. So I appreciate it. Well, 
Yeah. Well, Bob, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, I hope that you decide to come back, and uh, um, I will see you very, very soon. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our former mayor of Hagerstown, uh, Bob Rucci, uh, who has a great perspective on the city of Hagerstown, has um, always been a true leader, I think a true public servant, somebody who understands the dichotomy of Washington County and Hagerstown. Um, you know, I <laughs> for the first show, I think that uh, we did well. Um, I, I didn't get to cover nearly as half of what I wanted to cover. Um, I have I wanted to talk about the Kirby DeWater situation in Frederick that has been trending on Twitter that has just completely blown up into this mega 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 social media sensation. Um, but maybe we'll get to that to the next show. And I really wanted to talk about I wanted to put Ken Buckler. I had an interview with Ken Buckler, Buckler yesterday where we talked about what was best, uh, how he sees Washington County. Um, moving forward and what it will take to grow this community uh, in a financial and business sense. Um, but our next show next week will be at 9 o'clock next Wednesday, and it's going to be a two-hour special, and it's going to be an important show where I detail every aspect of my run for the Board of Education. We're going to talk about everything, and I'm going to put it all on the table. I'm going to answer a lot of the questions that maybe – when unanswered, we'll talk about some of the situations that were positive and negative. We'll talk about some of the unfortunate instances. I'll talk about the fundraising. I'll talk about everything that the campaign was. And I think we're going to have a special guest next week um, that's not 100% in stone. But, folks, this show is going to provide people with an alternative to news around the state, around Washington County. And look, this is a test run for me. This is this first show, I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know if the technology would break. Um, but I was I was prepared and the equipment side, I think it I think that um, I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, I enjoy talking, I enjoy hearing opinions. And I always want you to be able to call in and freely express your viewpoints on this show. And I think that as we progress in this, I think it's only going to get better. I think it's going to be a another community resource. And as we move into Annapolis session when the General Assembly is convened, we're going to talk about a lot of the bills that are on the docket, how it affects Washington County. We're going to talk about education in Washington County and how the – relationships play out among the different members. We'll talk about the county commissioners. Um, I want to talk a lot about business in Washington County and around the state of Maryland. So I think this is going to be, you know, I really hope that I can keep your attention for an hour. Uh, there will be a podcast that you can listen to. I, I will post that immediately after the show. You can find me at Ryan at Twitter, on Twitter at, at Ryan R. Minor, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ryan Richard Minor. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of, the minor, of a minor detail. My name is Ryan Minor. Have a great night.
Did it go well? It was good. Yeah. Thank you. Did I really know? You did. Sound good. Did my voice come across clear? Mm-hmm. Did I stumble? No. Did so you could hear Bob and Eric? Yeah, Eric was a little um scratchy at some point, like a static. Um, but Bob was perfectly clear. Do you think it did I sound clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Bob sound clear? Mm-hmm. He had no sound. 